Hello, everybody. I am so grateful that you are taking the time to watch this if you watch all the way through. Um, my name is Katrika. I am the host of Live Truth Podcast. So this will be video and also audio on all podcast um, networks. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be on YouTube as well. Um, so I'm joining or I'm coming here today to discuss a very, very popular topic, which is the um, overturn of Roe versus Wade and just give some um, biblical clarity and insight and wisdom um, and understanding for those that um, may be caught up in the disinformation that's, that's um, taking place right now or that's out there. Um, just the lies, the deception, and to bring you into the knowledge of truth, because that's what this podcast is about. It's Live Truth Podcast to help us to know Jesus, live truth, and live it boldly. Know Jesus, love Jesus, live truth, and live it bold, um, live it boldly. And so I have a PowerPoint that, um, by God's grace, I've been able to um, create that is going to take us through um, a lot, like I said, that is taking place, a lot of the deception that's taking place in our culture today, how to address, and we'll look at how to address it biblically, um, um, scripture regarding a lot of the, um, well, scripture regarding all of it, um, because what better way to help us to understand what's taking place than to look at God's word, which is um, unfailing, unchanging, inerrant, you know, um, because now it's like we have taken, um, we have swapped out subjective truth that doesn't change for um, objective fallacies, you know, um, lies that do change. And so as believers, and that's who I'm mainly addressing today, believers, but of course, um, the gospel will be shared so it, it can be applicable to um, unbelievers as well. And I pray that, that unbelievers do watch this so that you will come into the knowledge of truth and to, as to far as what God's word is saying. But right now, you know, I, I am specifically addressing believers because um, it is a lot of the believers that are having an issue with um, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I've seen so many different pastors um, that are justifying abortion and which is murder. Um, so we'll get into all of that. And like I said, I'll um, give you the, give you scripture to be able to take away to help you under help you understand and to shed light and just to remind you follow others as they follow Christ. And I want to put the disclaimer out there as well. You know. Um, I have four children, um, two of which I had before I graduated high school. And so I too was one that um, was in the crowd that was using um, abortion, was gonna use abortion as a form of birth control. And praise God, I had a mother that was against abortion. So when I was trying to sneak and have the abortion behind her back, it, it, it didn't work out by God's providence. And so in the, at that time, I was not realizing and it was not clicking in my finite mind that this is an image bearer of God. This is someone that God has knitted and formed in my room and has in my womb and has purpose. You know, it was just I was doing just as everyone else was doing. Um, you get pregnant, you just use it as a form of birth control. You just murder the baby, you know. And then um, even when I got saved, you know, I still was unclear about rape and incest. If you had to ask me when I first got saved, you know, if, if I knew if I was raped, Lord forbid, you know, um, um, yeah, had a baby through rape and incest, would I, um, would I have had an abortion? I would have said absolutely, you know, but we have to look at what God's word is saying and not 
our feelings. I know there are certain times that God's word may be hard to stomach or obey, but that is what it is. We're called to die to ourselves and our way of thinking and take up our crosses. And a part of taking up our cross, um, like I shared in another video, it does hurt. It doesn't feel good. You are going to be set apart. You are going to have to go against the flow of this culture, of this world. You're going to lose friends. You may lose family, but God is worth that. Jesus is worth that. The price that he has, he has paid for us is worth that. And so I'm kind of getting on ahead of myself, but um, I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there that um, I'm not speaking from a place that, that is saying that I, I, I have, I, I have always known what I know now. So um, hear my heart and you know, not trying to put you down or try to bash you if, you know, you don't know these things, because at some point, none of us knew any of what we know, because all of us had to have the, the veil removed and be brought into the knowledge of truth. And we still will never know it all, you know? And so, but what we do know, we need, we're going to be held accountable for what we do know, and we need to act on and respond in what we do know and respond in truth. So I'm going to share my screen and, um, Go ahead and get into it. And prayerfully, I won't be taking too much of your time, but if so, you can watch it or listen in increments. But pray that you stick in with me the entire time. Okay. So here we are, Roe versus Wade. And I love Justice Samuel Alito's um, um, point that he made. He said, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. His reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences. And that is so true because he's right. You know, we should have never had a constitutional right to murder babies. Like it should have never been. And so I praise God that, you know, sad to say over 63 million babies dead babies later, this has taken place. But I, I give him all the glory that he did do the miraculous because this, this is miraculous. This is major. And you have mainstream um, Christian, um, what do you call them? Mainstream Christian ministry, so to speak, you know, saying that we should not be beating our chest and, and celebrating. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. The, would we not celebrate um, the ending of slavery? Did we not just celebrate Juneteenth? But we're not going to celebrate the fact that there are states that can abolish abortion. The devil is a lie. Celebrate for what the Lord has done. We celebrate righteousness in Jesus' name. We celebrate justice. So again, follow others as they follow Christ. So let's look at what an abortion is. An abortion, according to Wikipedia, is the termination of pregnancy by removal or expulsion of an embryo or fetus. And so now I think it's important before we begin also to look at when life begins. Life begins at conception. Jeremiah one, in Jeremiah 1.5, God spoke to Jeremiah and said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you to be a prophet unto the nations. So just as with Jeremiah, that's with all of us. Before um, Jer Jeremiah was formed, before we were formed, before baby, our babies were formed, he knew us. Um, and so we need to keep that in mind. We were known before the foundation of the world. And so then David um, speaks in Psalms 139, verse 13 and 16 and said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your books, book. 
every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So it is not true that life starts at the heartbeat. Life starts at conception because it is God who is knitting, who is doing this knitting. No, I find that mine can't, can't conceive it, but it is God who is making this happen. It is God who is bringing this life forth. And God is saying that life starts at conception. It doesn't start when the government says life start. It, it, it doesn't say any of that. It said that God, um, Life God said that life begins at conception by saying that he made all the de delicate inner parts of our bodies and knit us together in our mother's womb. So again, we're not looking to the government for answers. God has given us what we need in his word to look at um, and how to interpret this culture through a biblical lens. It's just up to us to know what that truth is. And so what does God's word have to say about abortion? Well, since by definition, abortion is the intentional termination of pregnancy, that means abortion is murder. And so what is murder? Murder is sin, Deuteronomy 5, 17. And there's so many other scriptures that tell us murder is sin also. And so what are God's feelings towards abortion? He hates hands that shed innocent blood, Proverbs 6, 17. And I really don't want to go here because that's a whole nother lesson. But even in Psalms 5, and I think Psalms 6 or 11, just different places throughout the Bible, beyond those, you know, um, God does say, say that he abhors the wicked, you know, those that are not his, we were at enmity with God before we were saved, you know, and I know that it's not a proper, proper, um, proper, I mean, not proper, but a popular saying, you know, but it's truth that God abhors the wicked, God hates the wicked, and God hates those who shed innocent blood, and you may say, well, I thought God loves all people. He does. And that's something that we'll never be able to understand. The secret things belong to the Lord, but God can simultaneously, God does simultaneously hate the wicked and love them at the same time. And there's a different love that he has for his cre creation, which is like a general love. And then he has a salvific Abba Father, uh, who, who can, those that can cry out Abba Father type love for those that are born again, those that are saved. So he has two different types of love for people. He has a salvific love for those that can cry out Abba Father and a general love for his creation in that, in that everyone is, he is in his, is his creation. However, again, if we're not born again, we're at enmity with God and God does abhor the wicked. So that can kind of help you to understand if you have not repented and placed your faith in Christ, you are at enmity with God. He loves you as in, again, you're his creation. You're made in his image, but he does abhor the wicked. So um, I'm pretty, and, and you can find that all through his word, but I just wanted to kind of um, shed some light on that in case, you know, that, that, that question may be asked, well, how does he hate? you know, hands that shed innocent blood if he loves us too. And so the um, next passage I'm going to give is Exodus 21, um, 22 through 25, which basically helps us to see that the same consequence is deserved for someone that has an abortion as one that commits murder. Because what we want to, what, what, what people are trying to say now, you know, even some in the pro-life movement, they're saying, well, we can, we, can, we can abolish abortion, but the mother does not need to be held accountable. Why? Because if Lord forbid I was to murder a three-year-old, I would be in jail. I would, um, I would be charged for murder. 
that life that's in the womb is a is a lot too and if we're going to outlaw abortion there needs to be punishment for it you know then i've heard the argument which is which is understandable well what about you know these women that, that are brought in by sex traffickers and you know they're made to get abortions i'm not talking about that instance but e even in that that is why we do have murder first degree second degree third degree manslaughter you know i'm pretty sure that that young lady will be brought into trial and they will be able to they will be able to filter through all of that so that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about you you bringing a child in with the intentions of murder like i said for just because it's inconvenient for you or just whatever the case may be. That's what I'm talking about. And so, yes, these mothers should be tried according to God's word. And so we'll look at that. It says, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fine, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge determined, as the judges determined. But if there is harm, then you will you shall pay life for life. Hear me. Here it is. If there is harm, then you should pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And so this next this next passage, um, this is the context of this is where um, the Israelites, they were they were giving up their children as a child, as a sacrifice to to the false god Malek. And. I, I think it's a beautiful, even though it is the Old Testament, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say beautiful, but it's a great passage to be able to pull a principle for, for from us to relate to in modern day, because that is what is happening when we're going to um, abort our children and place them on the, on the altar of inconvenience, um, birth control as a method of birth control, um, just whatever the reason may be, um, like I said, that's that's like I said, related to incon pretty much inconvenience and birth control. We are sacrificing our children on these altars, you know. And so we're going to look at what God's word has to say about that. And He also, and it, and it's also a principle to pull out here for those, you know, of us that sit by idly and don't say anything. Whether you take the person to have an abortion, whether you have a platform and you're not speaking out about abortion, but you're speaking out about other sins. We're going to see what God has to say about that also, because remember, God is the same yesterday and um, today and forevermore. And his 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 word does not change or his principles neither. So Leviticus 21 through five, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Malek shall surely be put to death. So here we are. Any anybody that give their children up for child sacrifice so shall be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Malek to make in, make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. Here we go. And if the people of the land do not do at all close their eyes to that man, when he gives one of his children to Malek and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Malek. So we see here that God says those that commit the murder, those that go and have those that go and sacrifice their babies and for, with the, um, uh, through abortion, and then those that are um 
not saying anything. That's just watching this happen. That's just not, not, not trying to play any part in any of it. God is not for any of that. So keep those things in mind. And so now we're going to look at myths about abortion. Now, this is, I think this, this is one of the, um, we're just going to look at it. Never mind. We just look at it. So some of the myths about abortion. And again, just because your hottest stars or well-known pop stars or whoever is saying stuff, it does not mean it's right, especially those that are not born again. Don't get your, don't get your theology from people that ain't born again. Even though this, you know, really not theology, but I'm saying, because some people that are not born again be trying to say God's word and it'd be wrong too. So watch that. Uh, Holly Berry, she says the treatment for ectopic pregnancy is abortion. The treatment for a septic uterus is abortion. The treatment for miscarriage that your body won't release is abortion. If you can't get those abortions, you die. You die. You know, um, whereas no. Like living act, like, like live action says, the treatment for ectopic pregnancy is not an abortion. The treatment for miscarriage is not an abortion. The treatment for septic uterus is not an abortion. And again, we're talking about the intentional murdering of a baby. We're not talking about ectopic pregnancy, miscarriage, or um, septic uterus. We're not talking about that. We're talking about going in and intentionally murdering your baby because or murdering our, I'm gonna say our, because like I said, I was about to be guilty too, by God's grace, he didn't allow it to happen, but murder, intentionally murdering our babies, um, that's totally different, totally different from any of these. And um, it says there's a moral and legal difference between losing a child and intentionally murdering a child. And I love what Ali Beth Suckley said, you know, regarding all of this, because it is so true. And that's why we have to be careful with this. She said, it's the propaganda about abortion laws, banning miscarriage and eptopic care, not the laws themselves that is going to get women killed. Doctors and nurses who have believe that this information will be scared to do their jobs. So we need to be praying saints. We need to be praying, you know, against all of this deception that's taking place that people be brought into the knowledge of truth. And Lord forbid, if these doctors are, are, are believing this stuff, like if anything, they should, they should know and read up on the, read up on it and, and see what's going on because that's not, that's not what, what, what this is doing, you know, um, as far as when they're when they're ending abortion in these states, they're not saying that the baby cannot come out from ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage or septic uterus. That's not what we're saying. We're again, we're talking about the intentional murdering of a baby. Can't say that enough. So here we go. Why we follow others as they follow Christ. I'm gonna play this clip from this pastor and we're going to see what he says because this is a, another common misconception that's taking place and I even addressed this on my Facebook page when you know someone else that had I think she had like 13k followers and and um had a huge platform and she she had this very same view let's see it's only a minute he is pro-life he said god is he says i'll come that you may have life and have it more abundantly but if i could rock your theological noodle i submit to you that my bible teaches me that god is pro-choice also how could you say that he said choose ye this day whom you will serve the old testament says i have set before you life and death Therefore, I'm not going to legislate the answer for you. Therefore, choose life 
that both you, oh, I wish I had some Bible readers in the building. You and your descendants may live. So, here we go. Here we go. Okay, so regarding this, regarding choice. Um, so, at the beginning, yes, yes, we are given a choice. At the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, God gave them a choice. But what did they do with that choice? They sinned. <laughs> they sinned and brought a curse upon the whole world. We are all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because of that one choice, right? And we continue to make bad choices, you know? And so we talk about free will as, as though it's something so glamorous, but when we really look at what God's word is saying about our wills, our wills were enslaved to sin. That is why Jesus had to come and take upon himself the wrath of God that we so deserve. And that's Romans 6, 6 and Romans 5, 8 and 9. And in that, in that, that that also means we're not to be a stumbling block to others by encouraging them to sin. Romans 14, 21, against um, the Lord who causes them to store up wrath, more wrath for themselves. So when we're encouraging others to sin, it's causing them to store up more and more and more wrath for themselves when they're not, well, of course, especially if they're not, well, if they're not born again. But even if, whether they're born again or not, we don't encourage others to sin. Just because we can choose does not, um, make choosing to sin. Okay. God calls us to flee from sin. And this is why we have consequences for sin. Paul admonishes us in Romans 6, 1, he says, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. He said, by no means, but instead we are called to be holy as God is holy. Again, we flee from sin. We're not trying to go and commit more sin, especially taking a life. And, um, to be holy as he is holy is 1 Peter 1, 15. And so myths about abortion continued. Oh, well, what about women that seek back alley abortions? They're going to die. They're going to die. They're going to die. I've been hearing that too. They're going to die. Y'all, just as with any other law instituted, do we not issue the law? Because those that may want to break the law will have consequences. So that looks like because we, you know, or outlawing abortion and the saying, saying it's illegal because you're choosing to, or we're choosing to want to go and murder our babies. And I'm choosing to want to go do it in a back alley, knowing the, knowing the consequences that could happen because they're making this choice, then we, sh we shouldn't have that law. No, you just don't do, just don't do, just don't commit murder. Just don't do the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't not, we don't not, outlaw abortion because they want to go and murder their baby in a back alley no that's not what we do i should wear my hair a different way or something i'm sorry y'all because this is a distraction anyway so um what about in the case in the case of rape and incest we still do not murder the child y'all we don't murder the child for what the rapist has done the rapist needs to be held accountable so the victim will need the gospel we need lots of support, prayer, um, or the gospel ministered to them, lots of prayer, support, and we'll need to be referred to a biblical trauma-informed care therapist, but under no circumstances is the baby to be murdered. And we're going to look at some statistics too, because 
um, right here, this the title of this is women's abortion decisions rarely stem from rape and incest because you would you would you would think the way the hoop bra is about it um, that it's it's just the major cause. But let's look at these numbers: one percent are rape victims, less than 05 percent result as is a result of incest. But when we look at these other other numbers, this this is that this this these altars I'm talking about these altars 74 percent said having a baby would dramatically change my life 73 percent says can't afford a baby right now 48 percent said don't want to be a single mo mother or having relationships relationship problems oh, excuse me y'all i'm sorry 38 percent says have completed my childbearing convenience y'all convenience we're sacrificing children on the altar of convenience this is not about you know rape victims or or incest which they're making it out to be we see the numbers it's not it's it's for convenience they just want to murder their babies because you see a whole bunch of people now i've seen so many people saying oh i'm i'm i'm, I'm not gonna have i'm not gonna have any more children and today um or I'm not going to have sex anymore until, you know, they, they lift these laws. Well, good. Because if you're not married, you don't need to have it anyway. It's serving its purpose. Good. You know, like, it's because they want to murder their babies at their convenience. This is not about these other reasons that they're trying to make it about. And even if it was, it's still not justifiable. So um, here we're, we're going to look at, um, and I got this from gotquestions.org. What, what about when the mother's the life of the mother is at risk. Now, the first one is from um, 1983 and 1981, I think it is. But then there's a more recent one also, but I, I, I pulled both of them because I think both of them are good to even look at. So first, let's remember that such a situation is exceedingly rare. Dr. Landrum Settles, a pioneer in the field of in vitro fertilization wrote, less than 1% of all abortions are performed to save the mother's life. Landrum Shettles and David Rovick, Rights of Life, Zondervan Publishing House, 1983. I'm not going to be right reading all that now, but I'm just going to read the quotes. Dr. Irvin Kushner, professor of obstetrics at the UCLA School of Medicine, when testifying before the U.S. Senate, was also asked how often abortions are necessary to save the life of the mother or to preserve her physical health. His response, in this country, about 1%. And again, this testimony was before the Senate Judiciary Committee's subcommittee on the Constitution of the United States um, on October 14, 1981. And so the more, uh -oh, the more recent um, is other medical professionals go further, stating that abortion is never necessary to save the mother's life. Over 1,000 OBGYNs and maternal health care experts signed a statement on 2012 saying, in part, as experienced practitioners and researchers in obstetrics and gynecology, we, we affirm that direct abortion, the purposeful, the purposeful destruction of the unborn child is not medically necessary to save the life of a woman. And then further, in 2019, medical leaders representing more than 30,000 doctors said intentionally killing a late-term unborn baby in an abortion is never necessary to save a mother's life. Doctors say abortion is never medically necessary to save a mother's life. So I don't know why they repeated that twice, but 
I think you got the point. It's never really medically necessary. It's never, never, it's never medically necessary to save a mother's life. So we see here, even, you know, in these cases, um, it's, it's never really medically necessary, you know, because the baby pretty much is, is at term, you know, it's at a, it's at a, it will be at a stage where, you know, you'll be able to have a C-section and we'll get into to, um, that as well next What you know, um, what is said about that. And so it says, second, let's remember that God is a God of mercies. Amen. He can preserve the life of a mother and her child, despite all the medical odds being against it. Third, even in the small percentage of abortion abortions performed to save the life of the mother, most of those abortions can be prevented by an early induced delivery of the baby or C-section. It is extremely rare that a baby must be actively aborted in order to save the life of the mother. Ultimately, if the life of the mother is genuinely at risk, the course of action can only be decided by the woman, her doctor, oftentimes the father of the child and God. Any woman facing this extreme difficult situation should pray to the Lord for wisdom. James 1.5 as to what he would have her to do. And so, y'all, we, we're talking about, again, abortion in the sense that, um, you know, just having to take the baby out for a medical reason, not the intentional murdering of a baby. So I want to make that clear. So we want to also look at emotional and psychological um, impacts, I should have say impacts uh, of abortion, sorry. There is, and this is through um, Foundations of Life, and this is just some of the emotional and psychological impacts of abortion. Um, and we'll also discuss the spiritual consequences as well at the end. But um, it says, there is evidence that abortion is so associated with a decrease in emotional, in both emotional and physical health. For some women, these negative emotions may be very strong and can appear within days or after many years. This psychological response is a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. Possible symptoms, eating disorders, relationship problems, guilt, I'll add shame, um, flashbacks of abortion, suicidal thoughts, sexual dysfunction, alcohol and drug use. And again, we'll get into um, spiritual consequences towards the end. And so let's look at um, different scenarios and we'll see how, you know, and, and ask yourself, how would you respond as I, as I go through them? Number one, a preacher and his wife are very, very poor. They already have 14 kids. Now she finds out she's pregnant with the 15th. They're living in tremendous poverty, considering their poverty and excessive world population, which you consider recommending she get an abortion. Second, the father is sick with sniffles. The mother has TB. Of their four children, they're first is blind, the second has died, and the, the third is deaf, the fourth has TB. She finds she's pregnant again. Given this extreme situation, would you consider recommending abortion? Number three, a white man raped a 13-year-old Black girl, and now she's pregnant. If you were her parents, would you consider recommending abortion? Number four, a teen girl is pregnant. She is not married. Her fiance is not the father of the baby and she's upset. Would you recommend abortion? All right. So in the first case, would you have killed John West? You would, you would have killed John Wesley, one of the great evangelists in the 19th century. In the second case, you would have killed Beethoven. In the third case, you would have killed Ethel Waters. 
the great black gospel singer, if you said yes to the fourth case, you would have cleared murder, the murder of Jesus Christ. And then it says, and all of this was by Ray Comfort. And then he says, God is the author of life and he has given every single individual supreme value. Each life, whether inside or outside the womb should therefore be valued by us. God knows the plans he has for each individual and has written in his book, all the days ordained for us before one of them came to be. When we presume to know better than God, who should be given life, we are putting ourselves in the place of God and are guilty of idolatry because we're not God. I added that because we're not God. So just looking at some of our responsibilities as believers, of course, this is not all, but just this some that kind of um, horn in, you know, um, in this context. Um, as believers, we live for the Lord, not for the world. And so in Romans 12, 1, we're reminded, I, repeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are to think biblically. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so I guess I need to go back and flesh Romans 12, 1 out a little bit. You know, um, when, we're, when we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, this is a wide array of things. Of course, we're to worship in the spirit and truth. We're to honor God with all that we are, with what we watch, what we listen to, um, who, you know, we're connected to, how we present truth, you know, um, how we share that, yeah how we share, present truth, um, just so many different things, how, how we live our lives here on the earth, who we're, like I said, I don't know if I said who we're yoked with, you know, just, just all of that, um, just so many different things. And so we need to be cautious and aware, and aware of that, um, to not live as the world lives, but to live the way God has called us to live in his word. And that is why we are to be transformed by the renewal of our mind, by the power of the Holy Spirit in God's word so that we can discern what is the will of God, you know, what, how, how to look at this world through a biblical lens, how to look at these culture wars and these different things through a biblical lens. And, you know, also as we see, I'm going to add politics in it because politics, Politics matters because I like how Ali Beth Stuckley says, and I'm about to rip it to shreds, but, you know, she says policies matter because people matter. And so when we vote for people that are for abortion, like I just saw President Biden today um, has made a website to where, you know, to, to point people towards abortion, how they can be, how they can get funded for abortion, how children I think it said 13, 15, anyway, under 18, you know, can look in look at different states and put that put their age in to be able to find different states where they can get an abortion where they don't have to be held accountable by their mothers. This stuff matters, y'all. And to me, that should be the end all be all when it comes to to choosing um to choosing someone because abortion should, you know, when choosing who to vote for. You know, because we don't vote for people that are for abortion. You know, even even Kamala Harris said the other day, this is going to impact your sons. Why? Because they're going to be held accountable to take care of their children. Come on, y'all. This is not about because we're not we're not looking for a savior. We have a savior. We're not looking for a savior in these presidents. We may not ever get a saved president, but God can use these presidents as he did President Trump when he put 
these justices in office who made these votes because we've been winning all week, so to speak, because even like now the um, Supreme Court, you know, ruled in favor of the coach that was that's able to still pray on the football field. So these things matter. And so I encourage you to go back and look at the abortion episode I did with brother Matt Brock and go back and look at the believers in politics episode. And that kind of fleshes it out more, but y'all, cause again, I, I'll be the first one to say, I have not always voted conservative, you know, um, Again, we got to look at the policies. We're not looking at the people because we're not looking for a savior. It's the policies, policies as believers that matters. And as we see now, it our vote, we see now our vote truly matters. Um, but I, like I said, I encourage you to go and look at that um, believers, abortion episode and believers in politics. And so the third one is love God and others. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so when we look at our love for the Lord, our love for the Lord is not, a, a, a lot of times, it's not the same love that God tells us we should have if we love him. He said, if those who love me obey my commandments. So our, our, our love for him is known in our obedience to him. Again, we're not trying to earn favor with God because we're saved by grace through faith alone, but our works are an indication of our salvation. So just keep that in mind. And because we love others, that, believe, that leads me to the fourth point we speak the truth to our neighbor that's a part of loving our neighbor we speak the truth in love because it's not love it's actually like a form of hate when we see people in sin and not not letting them know you know and you know leading them astray and and, and giving them falsehoods that's not love love speaks the truth ephesians 4 15 says rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ okay and so my last um, point I want to make is if you have had an abortion, there is hope. And I want to say this because I think we didn't got it twisted a little bit. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. Just as with any other sin, Jesus forgives and Jesus saves. Everybody, whether you've had an abortion, whether you're on homosexuality, whether you're in fornication, whether you're a liar, whatever. We are all called to repent and believe the gospel, turn away from our old way of living and placing our faith in Christ. And so if you have not done that today, I encourage you. I encourage you to know the gospel, to know that God is holy. God is righteous. God is just God. God um, commands perfection, commanded perfection from us. And we could never obtain that. It took a perfect human sacrifice to come and die for us because the consequence for us sinning against the Lord is God's wrath, eternal damnation in hell. Jesus came, who was also God, who took hit God's wrath upon himself, died on a cross, rose three days later, conquering sin and death. He ascended into heaven and he is coming back only for those that are his. Everybody will not be going to heaven. Only those that have repented and placed their faith in Christ. And we also want to make sure that we're bearing fruit, keeping with repentance when we get saved. Because a lot of people like myself thought I was saved, you know, because I said a prayer or, you know, um, was baptized a couple of times. No, but I had no fruit in my life. 
I had no fruit in my life. There, there was nothing that said that I was saved. I, I ran, I chased my sin. I wasn't trying to run from sin. You know, I had, I had no desire to read God's word. I had no desire for holiness. So don't be deceived. Don't be that way. Don't be like Jesus describes in Matthew 7 that says, depart from me. I never knew you. Never. Make sure that God knows you. Make sure that that you that like I said, you are born again. You are bearing fruit. That is keeping with repentance. I can stop sharing this now. Make make sure that you are bearing fruit, keeping with repentance. That you are abiding in Christ. Like I said, we're we're not um, saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Um, but we obey because we love the Lord. We obey because we appreciate what Christ has done on the cross. So that's it, y'all. I pray, like I said, that you were blessed and that you were encouraged and that you were enlightened by um by all that was said. And most importantly, God was glorified. And I pray that you share this with others so that um they can be made aware and not be deceived by all of this disinformation that's taking place right now. It's it's a mess because, like I said, I've seen so many pastors saying pastors very loosely saying so much like it is just it's horrible it is horrible and I know God's word said that this is going to happen you know but on the other token I'm kind of I hate to see it because you know so many people are being you know deceived by it. but what it's also doing is it's showing where people's heart are. It's showing where we are doctrinally. It's, it's separating them in some cases, the sheep from the goats. So God knows what he's doing. It's a, it's a scripture in, um, in Corinthians, um, that came to mind when I was looking at all that was taking place and how, um, all that was taking place and what's going on. And it says it's, First Corinthians eleven nineteen. for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So God is God is really, like I said, exposing heart, exposing motives, exposing genuineness, exposing um, and separating sheep from the goats in this season. And so I was kind of encouraged by that because I know um, I know that God is in control. I know that there's purpose in it all. And again, our hope is not in all of this going on. Our hope is in Christ. And I wanted to share another thing about about the gospel because I I've, I've miss one of the most important parts which is you know when jesus does return we'll get to go live with him in eternity in glory where there's no sickness death sorrow pain murder like and we get to be with him and so whatever you know um christ is calling us to give up in this life it's nothing compared to the glory that we're going to receive in heaven where we're going to live for eternity this life is fleeting it's temporary nothing here nothing nothing here is worth worth um sacrificing for um for heaven i mean yeah what man you get what i'm saying nothing here is worth choosing over heaven over spending eternity with our father nothing 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 and like i said come come because you're grateful what Christ for what Christ has done an innocent man being god came and died on a cross for us died brutally by the ones he came to save he was mocked they spit in his face all of that so come come in gratitude and appreciation know why you know why you're getting saved because there are studies have been shown that um 
there are a lot of false converts because we feel like Jesus owes us something. We call, we, we've been called to say a prayer, don't know what we're getting saved from. And so when hard times come, we feel like Jesus didn't do what he was supposed to do. Like life is supposed to be all glamorous. And we're like, well, he didn't do what he's supposed to do. Life get life is harder with him. So let me go. No, when we realize that we don't deserve nothing, that we deserve death and that an innocent man died for us. We appreciate it a whole lot more. So we need to stop this, having people come to these altars, you know, telling them to say this prayer and they're going to be saved. None of that is in the Bible. None of that. It says repent and believe the gospel. Now, if you want to say a prayer, you know, acknowledging that you have sinned against the Lord and that you're sorry for sinning against him. But that prayer is not saving you, babe. It is you repenting, choosing to repent, turn away from your old way of living and place your faith in Christ. And, and like I said, when we're sharing the gospel, let people know why, why they need to be saved. So again, so they don't, they don't, you know, lose hope and fall away because they feel like they've been owed something that we don't. If we never get anything else, Jesus has already done enough. Amen. Somebody. Hey, hey, glory. Hallelujah. So I keep rambling on. Let me be quiet. So, but pray y'all was blessed. And like I said, God was glorified and um, yeah. Are you a blessed, encouraged, and enlightened in Jesus' name? So um, until next time, grace and peace. I love you.